The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we take the piss and debunk music fan stereotypes. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So Sarah, we have a special guest today. Do you want to tell everyone what we're talking about? Yeah, so we're very excited because our friend Sydney, who we met through TikTok because of this podcast, is joining us to talk about the power of fan marketing and how fans don't really realize how much power they have when it comes to getting the artists they love the respect that they so much deserve. And this is just such an interesting topic. I mean, I work in marketing, so this makes a lot of sense with my brain. And you can tell Sydney is super passionate about marketing. Also, we talk about Harry Styles, of course. We talk about Halsey. We talk about Taylor Swift. And we do, for the very first time, we actually touch a bit on K-pop. Just a little bit at the end. But we had to give credit to the world of K-pop because their fandom is unlike anything else. Yeah, it's honestly... A super interesting conversation. I was really kind of scared <laughs> about this one because I just feel like there's so much to unpack and like so much you just don't really realize it's like, oh, that's marketing. That's what this is. So we sort of just like delve into that and how a lot of fans, us included, accidentally found ourselves being marketing campaign managers at like the age of 15 16 without even knowing it just because we were trying to support our favorite band so we and really if know. you're listening to this maybe you identify the same way yeah and you can take over the world one day we have all the faith in all of you honestly <laughs> we really do and also speaking speaking of marketing for things you care about you can market for us <laughs> In case you didn't listen to last week's episode, we're doing a fun little holiday giveaway. If you go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, tell us how awesome you think we are, and we'll send you a little gift of a cute little holiday card collage thing of photos that Jenna and I have taken over the years and some fun stickers that will never be released outside of this. Maybe, who knows? You'll only find out if you give us a review. Yes, this is an exclusive offer only for our most loyal, dedicated fans who have been there from the beginning because we appreciate you guys so, so much. All the information is on our Instagram and Twitter at this point. (laughs) So you can know how to go about doing this, but basically just go review, take a screenshot, DM it to us, and it'll be a good time. And now it's time to go learn about the wild world of marketing from the fan perspective. So today we are joined by Sydney Stein. She's the marketing director for Girls Behind the Rock Show, where she works on projects to advance marginalized gender within the music industry in collaboration with artists, labels, and brands. Her industry experience extends beyond marketing into live event production, where she gets to live out all of her teenage fangirl dreams of working concerts for her favorite artists. 
Thank you for joining us, Sydney. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> we are too. We're so excited. I'm like, this has been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, I've been an avid watcher of the pod for a while now. I think ever since the first episode, because I saw your yeah. TikTok. Yeah. I love TikTok. <laughs> yeah, me too. I also love TikTok. <laughs> so can you let our listeners know, when did you first realize that you were doing something beyond just being an average day fan? I think I didn't realize it when it was happening and it was more of like me realizing it now, but like in the moment of the early days of like being a Jonas Brothers fan and like Twitter being a very big thing then, like just surfacing and like every artist got on it to connect with their fans and the Jonas Brothers fans would just do a lot of you know, trend this hashtag, live tweeting, live streams. And it's like those hashtags and those, all those tweets would get on everybody else's feed because they were trending. And like, you didn't think about it then. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm doing promo for the bands because I'm tweeting a bunch about the Jonas Brothers. But like now it's like, oh yeah, I was doing a lot of promo for the band because I was tweeting about the Jonas Brothers. So to everyone that knew about the Jonas Brothers in 2007, it was probably because of my tweets and everyone else's (laughs) tweets. (laughs) In the early days of internet, social media, a lot of us were doing things above and beyond like just being a quote-unquote average fan because there was so much access to like people you didn't know and like finding other people who did those things and so I just think it's so funny like looking back and being like oh wow I was like working a full-time job (laughs) yeah of course because it was like so new and so fun and like you finally got to talk to artists like you had that more of a personal connection because they could tweet you back or like reply to what you were saying and you're like all right I want to be on this 24 7 I'm going to be on MySpace I'm going to be on Twitter I'm going to be on every live stream and I'm going to get to be able to talk to my favorite artists like a great part of fandom now social media fandoms they just put in so much important work like you just said spreading the word and a lot of times the fangirls when you're when you're in it when you're doing it you don't realize it because there's this stigma around it you know this is like basically the whole premise of our podcast is destigmatizing (laughs) and fangirls thinking that what they're doing isn't real or serious work but it really is and it it is like direct experience like for careers yeah I've seen plenty of like industry people be like oh yeah I started out with a fan account and like I got my first jobs because I showed them my fan account because that is promo and like fans a lot of the times don't realize it sometimes they do and they create really cool stuff which we'll talk about but like it's kind of insane to me like the the actual power that fans have to like make or break an artist because like they are the ones doing the groundwork. It's so crazy to like think about how much fan campaigning has been able to change because of the internet because I have like a very I have a very love-hate relationship with (laughs) with online with the online oh yeah me too (laughs) and I feel like most people sort of like our age do which I just find really interesting but I mean like from the start like there were always people like flyering or like putting up posters or whatever the case is and just as the internet's grown the ability to do that and like how you do it has changed so much even the, the days before internet fans were doing that like look at all the fans that made the beatles chart like yeah. i don't think i don't think fans think look at them charting an album and think it's promo but it is it makes headlines and it creates press for the artists so like you pushing their albums up the charts is really important marketing for that artist like incredibly important because you are making them a headline you're making them relevant in the music world yeah because like even before like 
Twitter and Instagram and like these sites that are so much more like instant. So like in the days of like LiveJournal and MySpace and that sort of thing, there were times when bands would chart that people were like, we never heard of them. Like back when like MyCam and like Fall Out Boy weren't like household names and all of a sudden this pop punk emo stuff is like showing up out of nowhere, like on the top of the charts and it kind of took over like MTV VH1 for like three years. <laughs> and it's just that like insane thing of just fans not even realizing what they're doing by finding each other online, realizing that there's something here, and then going and buying CDs. If the fans weren't doing this for the artist, the artist wouldn't be successful is kind of what it is at the end of the day. Because a marketing team and like a label can do a lot, but if the fans aren't interested and they aren't the ones out there promoing, buying albums, you're not going to be successful. So it, it literally all the power lies within the fans. Yeah, and I think like something we've touched on previously when we were talking was that a lot of times or sometimes at least if like when the when it's everything is coming from the label and like the labels like trying to make stuff happen it feels very forced Mm -hmm. and it feels very obvious that like this isn't something the fans actually want to be doing and and there's other examples of when the fans kind of take over and they make their own campaigns and I think you know street teaming is a good example because sometimes street teaming is run by fans and sometimes street teaming is run by the label and it just it's always different because when it comes from the fan the fan knows what what they want what's going to resonate with the other fans and what really is like the best for the artist when it comes down to it oh yeah i like there's a lot of times i look at the stuff that labels are doing and i'm just like bro you really don't have like anyone that's in the demographic working on your team do you it's it's so frustrating it's like just put somebody in there that knows like that understands that's all we're asking from my personal experience i used to do a lot of stuff on myspace in like 2007 like 2008 before i guess it was 2007 because it was before the main got signed fearless records my friends and i were like this band's really good like somebody needs to start promoting them because they had done like a summer tour and then they like came to new york to like play for labels and it like didn't work out at that time and we we're like this is stupid it's because people don't know that we like them and my friend and i just made like an unofficial street team on myspace but i don't even think we called it that i think it was like a promo page because like i didn't even know what a street team was at that time and we kind of would like survey fans on like bullet like myspace bulletins and all the stuff and be like what is fun for you <laughs> like right, what- you were doing the stuff yeah. that the label should have been doing <laughs> well like they weren't even signed yet and so we were just well, like, you oh, were doing like- stuff that the team should have been doing like <laughs> oh come yeah on. <laughs> i don't think that they like understood i think like at that point we were all so young like i was 15 so the oldest person in the band would have been like 17 so i don't think that anybody i feel like the fact that people cared was like weird I don't know but I'm probably making excuses for men like I always do (laughs) (laughs) I feel like especially indie bands or artists who are just starting out they don't always understand that you have to market yourself they just think you make music and then the fans will come they don't understand that you have to build a community and like the first people who are your fans are like the most important because they're the catalyst to like sharing it with other people yeah exactly and that was a lot of what my friends and I were doing which were like all girls I met on the internet I didn't meet them in real life for like I think six or seven months after we started doing this and we would do these things where it'd be like oh try and like sneak video of you getting Hollister to play their music or like whatever dumb stuff where you're like this band doesn't belong here we need to like make them belong here it would be like go into like the apple store and see how many like computer screens you could change to, oh like, my god the apple store <laughs> yeah change like <laughs> this like awful like gra- like horribly graphic design yeah like, that's straight up that 2008 I mean. core like yeah 
that was like MySpace links, like all of this yeah. like hyperlink stuff to like. I used to do that with Twitter. Jonas Brothers, totally like pull up their like whatever pages, Twitter, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, that, actually, you know what? That's like promo that probably we never thought about. Guerrilla like, marketing. Yeah. Well, we, I got kicked out of the Apple store at the Roosevelt Field Mall in Long Island once because they were like, you like, <laughs> we're going from like computer to computer, but I think on one of them, we like started playing the music too loud and they're like, you can't, you can't do yeah. that. And we're like, oh, whoops. Um, but yeah, I like, it eventually got to the point where one of the guys in the band was like, here is my brother's email. He's our manager. He should probably be giving you prizes to give to these people. And I was like, yeah, okay. And so I would like harass him. I'd be like, I'm doing this thing. Can you send me shit to, send to these girls? And then once they got signed, it took like five more months for them to actually get a real street team from being signed. And they, and I was really put off because they had like one of their friends be like the official person not on the label who was dealing with it. And all these girls were messaging me because they were like, oh, I applied to the street team and they're not getting back to me. Like, why are they not getting back to me? I'm like, I have nothing to do with the street team. So then I emailed Fearless Records and I was like, the person running your street team is bad. Here's my version. <laughs> That's another pet peeve of mine. It's like, you shouldn't just be hiring your friends. They should be qualified. Like if you were already doing it, like you're already doing the work and you're seeing results for them. Like wh- why did they think they should hire anyone else? Yeah. yeah. Somebody at Fearless was like, oh, like we'll help, have you help him, which was just me running the street team. But this other guy who was like friends of the band just was like dictating what I was doing. And I was like, this is bad. Yeah. And I'd send ideas that I was like, this has already worked. And I'd like show them that it worked. And they'd be like, oh, like, this isn't really something that we do. And I'm like, well, maybe you should since it works already. <laughs> you know, just listen to women. Come on. I've escorted multiple people to FYE to buy this EP. I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. So fast forwarding to 2020, Sydney, you have a pretty good example of what Five Sauce did for their recent release. Well, Five Sauce fam, not Five yes. Sauce. Um, let's be clear. Yeah, let's be clear. This was a fan-run project, and it is the coolest fan-run project I have ever seen in all of my days of being on Twitter. But there was a Twitter account called Five Sauce Ranked. Um, it has since been disabled, unfortunately. But that fan created this competition, which is a higher-level marketing concept to gamify marketing. And they decided that they were going to split each, I think, I don't know how many songs are on the album, probably 10 or 12, split up the songs on the album in half and have two teams and divide it up between red and blue. And you could get points for your team by like streaming songs, uh, getting brands or celebrities to be like go blue team or stream whatever song for your team, doing TikTok dances, creating TikTok trends, watching the music videos. Literally it was an all comprehensive project to boost up their streaming numbers and boost up just their relevance on all sorts of social media platforms and it was run by one fan and it was it was so insane and like you would submit the stuff you did and then they would calculate all of the results and it was just really cool they had different events throughout the week and like they would do team cahoots and like team zoom chats and stuff like that and it brought all the fans together it boosted their music up in streams it boosted their like music video views my whole for you page on tiktok was like go red team go blue team like stream wildflower stream no shame 
And I was like looking through some of the tweets and like they actually got like a few like celebrities and brands to be like go red team or stream whatever song. Like I saw Walgreens literally tweeted to their main feed, stream no shame. And that was all Powerful. fans. And this fa- this fan, like big ups to you. That yeah. is a better marketing campaign than most labels can do. And like the amount of time this fan put into creating that number one, spreading the word and then doing like calculating the scores at the end. And they created all their own graphics for it. And they were cool graphics. Countless hours. Oh yeah. They, they they got paid after this. (laughs) No, they did this with no budget. And these labels put out campaigns with, with budgets that aren't even as good. Yeah. Well, do you know, did, did five sauce like, was there a campaign? Did they have one or like, what was it like? Unfortunately, the album came out literally a week or two into COVID and quarantine hitting. So like whatever stuff they had planned, obviously got waylaid because of that. So like, I'll give their label a little bit of wiggle room on that. But like, you should have gotten a little bit creative on what you did. They did do a few things. They did some like videos and actually their creative director created a really cool at home music video for Wildflower. Would highly recommend watching that. And then they also did one thing, which was like, a big fan ask which was um they've always wanted them to be on carpool karaoke like ever since they were on james corden the first time they're always like we want them on carpool karaoke and it's never happened so they made their own so like they did do like a few cool things but it was just like the fans were like the label didn't push it enough and it needs more streams so we're gonna do it i feel like with covid happening you could so easily take advantage of the fact that like you can't meet people face to face and that 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 is something that a lot of artists have spoken very candidly about, like, not 100% always being comfortable with having to constantly, like, meet these people all the time. You could take so much advantage of that, of having, like, group Zoom listening parties or, like, all these things, and I feel like nobody did that, and that there were so many albums that came out in, like, February to March that had these, probably had plans, but, like, who fucking knows, (laughs) like, at this point. And they, instead of being, like, oh, let's repurpose, and, like, these major labels have these, like, some of them have, like, incredible marketing teams, especially Interscope is like known for having a good marketing team and it's like the fact that these people didn't and and that's the frustrating thing when it's like so clear that there's an A team and B team of artists on the on the labels like lineup because it's like if Billie Eilish had dropped an album in March they would have spent every waking hour figuring out how to make it a COVID acceptable launch whereas Five Sauce Blurring given that like opportunity it's like oh Sucks to be you guys. Sorry. See you. See you next time. I mean, I'll give ups to the band and the fact that like they were given the option to delay the album and they're like, no, we know the fans need yeah. the music, especially yeah. now. And they did they did a decent amount of like Instagram lives. Like they did a midnight like live listen to the album, which was really cool and fun. But like mm-hmm. it just kind of seemed like not enough was done. Like from my perspective, it's like they have seemed kind of like tired of stuff. I don't know. Like I don't know how else to say it. Cause like I love them. Like I love their music, but they seem tired and I feel like given the opportunity to actually just not do anything, they're like, okay, cool. I mean, honestly, we'll never know because it's not like I'm on the label team can tell you like, oh, they had all this cool stuff planned. Like, who knows? But at the end of the day, these fans created the best promo for this album that I saw throughout the whole cycle. Based off of like my personal experience of their fans being mean to me, it's like I I feel like anything that can bring, bring that community together is a very incredible thing because I feel like there are so many factions, especially of Five Sauce fans. 
of like what type of fan they are and the fact that one person could be like I'm gonna bring everyone together and do it so successfully is just a testament to like number one how much the fans care about the band and number two how much that one particular fan cared to be like you know what I know that like we all probably secretly hate each other for some reason or another but like I'm gonna bring us together to make this band know that we care so that they care enough to like keep doing what they're doing yeah I think especially this project was done end of August time um I think this whole summer the five sauce fans there was a lot of tensions um for a lot of reasons and I think they all kind of felt like scattered so for this one fan to be like let's all come together and do fun things and Mm -hmm. do it to help promote the band and like bring us all together the band Mm -hmm the fans, everyone together to create this. I think it's incredible that they did that. And they have obviously a huge talent for marketing, for promotion, all of that. So I hope this fan continues and like pursues this because I would love to see other projects from them because this was so fucking dope. (laughs) Speaking of fandoms that have bazillion fractions (laughs) banding together to get something done, I think that like what the One Direction fandom did with Project No Control was honestly beautiful. And this isn't just coming from me as being Louis' my favorite. And it was like the first song that he had like a strong ass solo on. Well, that's why they picked it. They picked it because of that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Exactly. But I'm saying like, I'm not biased to this specific campaign because of Louis, but like, you know. But I mean, yeah, they wanted to show him that they cared. <laughs> and so they banded together and they got a song that the label had absolutely no interest of making a single be played internationally on like over 60 radio stations and like all this other super <laughs> impressive stuff. And it just was like awe-inspiring because I mean, as I've said thousands of times, like over the past sort of decade, I haven't really been active in fandom and just sort of like being a bystander to this thing that I wanted to happen so badly, but I'm like, I don't know how to what to do here because like <laughs> I'm not part of this. I can't just jump in and seeing them band together and be like, Louis is sad. We needed to make Louis happy by getting a song that he has such a great solo on, play it on the radio, and then successfully doing so. It's just like, it's so impressive. <laughs> I like you guys had mentioned this to me, and I wasn't a directioner. Um, unfortunately, I think it would have been a lot of fun, but I think I had too much stuff going on in my life at the rise mm-hmm. of uh, directioners. But I like was like, I don't really know what this is. And then I started reading about it. I was like, I think this was the time when my local radio station was literally like, we need One Direction fans to stop calling from across the country. We see your area codes. We we (laughs) understand you want this song played. Please stop calling us. It's so impressive because they literally like not only got it played on just local radio, like they got it played on BBC Radio 1, which is the biggest radio station in all of England and Z100 in New York, which is like a super big deal. And I mean, they tweeted like over a million times about it. And their initial goal was to just have like 500 supporters of the project. And they wound up having like 35,000 people like supporting this project and like doing something with it. And it's just like, it's so crazy because I feel like these fans underestimate themselves. A goal of 500 is a good goal, but it's like, you should know that you have more power than that. Especially a fandom like Directioners. Oof. They, so incredibly creative, so smart. Directioners are incredibly smart. Like, smart where it scares you, like, (laughs) with the amount of stuff that they can do. And it's, it's just so cool to see that passion translated into a project like this. Yeah, and I feel like another just, like, proof of 
how powerful and smart and creative One Direction fans are and like moving into just like Harry fans is that like they were so disappointed with how shit his team is <laughs> everything <laughs> but mostly the merch situation which if you're watching on YouTube I'm wearing a Harry Styles fan-made shirt for the occasion <laughs> but they were so mad about it because it's it's ugly <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's a big ugly and they were like you know what we're gonna fix it and it's one of those situations where there are countless Etsy shops selling Harry Styles fan-made creative ideas and every single one of them is supported by the Harry fandom and every single one of them is making money and being successful. And there's like very few copies of people doing the same things. If there's anything that's the same shirt, it's something that Harry wore and people being like, I'm going to remake that. And I just think that that's just a, such a powerful thing of the fandom coming together so much to be like, we're going to make something that we like and we're also going to be supportive of each other and nobody's going to like steal each other's designs or like do these things. Like we're just going to like support each other and be great. <laughs> I'm like, this is so pure, <laughs> but for such a bad reason. <laughs> Harry's a perfect example of this, but there are so many artists who have bad merchandise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why? Why do artists have bad merchandise? Literally why? I think they think like every fan is like a 13 year old who has no taste when it's like, that's maybe, maybe 1% of like, and even then they probably have their own opinion and taste too. So like, I don't understand why there just hasn't been a trend of like better merchandising. Well, it's like, I think sometimes labels are just like, we know fans will put out whatever we put out because it's the official merch. So like fans want the official merch, but Harry's merch has become so much of a meme with how bad it is that like fans literally like, we don't care what the label's doing or whatever, whoever's putting it out and we're going to make our own because we don't like it. And the fact that nobody from Sony or Columbia is like, uh, maybe we should do something about this is astonishing to me yeah. because you spend one day on TikTok and you see Harry Styles merch memes. What if they just like the fans banded together and they're like, we're canceling Harry Styles merch. No one buy his merch. They love I mean, him too much. They won't yeah, do it. And that's the struggle. Well, I also do think that Harry fans kind of also, but they, they hate like the label and stuff though. So I think they could do it. I mean, if they did that, that would send a huge message and the label would have to listen. But at the end of the day, if I was working on that team, and I saw the feedback that we were getting very publicly because it is literally quite, I said it's a meme. It's literally a meme. I'm not, yeah. that is not me exaggerating. It's like, it is a huge joke within his fans and outside of his fandom. So like, if I saw that and I saw fans making their own merch because our merch is so bad, my first thought would be, all right, why don't I hire a fan for this? Why don't I hire somebody who's making these designs that the fans love already? I feel like there's somebody there who's like, they think it's funny, let's keep doing it. And they're important enough. But also, mm -hmm. I just feel like his fans are like so whipped <laughs> by Harry Styles that it's like they re-released older merch that was still mediocre, but better than what's been coming out through quarantine because clearly like somebody's taken ayahuasca and made all of his merch. Like, I don't <laughs> know what's going on there. Because they're like, oh, saturation up hue opposite and it's like no <laughs> it's like stuff that i can make and i have zero like, like i can make I, I feel like skills. a really funny tiktok would be like a tutorial of how to make harry styles merch on photoshop and it would just be like the hue things on just like the complete opposite color spectrums but they, like when they dropped all the old merch like these girls are like 
jumping to buy it. I'm like, this is fucking ugly. You're buying better stuff for cheaper. That like you, these Etsy girls aren't even making me pay shipping. Like Harry's making you pay shipping. <laughs> like obviously not Harry. HQ uh, or whatever. But it's just like I don't know. Cause like we, we were talking about this when we were planning about just all the like pop punk bands and shit who make like the fucking ugliest merch. And it's like I just want to wear something. And it's kind of like how in Hannah Ewens's book where she was saying that like when you have a tattoo of Amy Winehouse you know who's an Amy Winehouse fan because of the way they compliment it and it's like I want to wear band merch where like based off of the way that the shirt is complimented I know if they're a fan or not I don't want it to just be obvious and because I just also am like the main today they're a really good example of a band who used to make really shit merch like I can show you some of the shit merch I have from them and then sort of realizing who the core demographic was that was buying the merch and being like, oh, we're going to actually make the main a brand. And thus have making these shirts that like still have their name on it somewhere or like their logo or whatever, but they like have branding that like people see and they're like, oh, that's the main, but it's cool enough to wear and like not feel embarrassed about wearing it outside. Cause I mean, like I have some like from first to last shirts that I don't know why my mother let me wear those outside, just the colors and the text. <laughs> or like anything about it, Hot Topic. Ooh, I don't know how Hot Topic is doing these days, but when I would go there for pop punk merch, I mean, I remember some ugly shirts up there. I don't think it's as neon pop punk as it was. They then. still sell the, the pants with the chains between the knees, though. Really? Yep. I don't know how people walk in those. Yeah, it just seems like uh, you wouldn't be able to move. Still, it's still a thing. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's just so funny when fans have such a dedicated fan base who are so focused on like trying to make the artist successful and the artist team is like we see you but we're not we're not we're not gonna do that and I feel like just because it's funny to talk about I want to slightly for a little bit of time acknowledge Justin Bieber's failure at <laughs> at joining TikTok and making yummy a thing trying to make yummy a thing it's like 2020 had two songs about eating pussy and there was one that was good and there was one that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'm oh, oh damn. She came for blood for Justin. I'm just saying. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. True. It's very true because, like, uh, yeah, I mean, outwardly, that that whole, like, yummy campaign was a mess. <laughs> and I think... Justin got very much dragged through the mud for um, posting that like fan made graphic of like switch your turn on a VPN and then stream it 
and make sure it's streaming from the U.S. Uh, but I do think that's like a cool testament to him recognizing what his fans do promo-wise. The fact that he took a fan-made promotional streaming graphic from a fan account and posted it to his to his account. It's yeah. like, all right, at least Justin's paying attention to what his fans are doing. Outwardly for the public, that was like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, like, that's the thing also is it's, like, I feel like it's embarrassing for a label team to have the artist be, like, my fans are smarter than you. Like, look at them. Then hire them. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's, like, Justin should have the power. And, like, talking to Mariana in our episode, it's, like, the team utilizes these fan pages. Like, they already are utilizing them. So hire them and have them actually do the job and then maybe things will go better. And I just, I don't know. It's just funny because in doing research for this, you just Google like Justin Bieber yummy TikTok campaign. And like the first thing that comes up is an article for The Independent, which has the best title I've ever read for an article, which is why Justin Bieber's TikTok campaign for yummy is so embarrassing. And I'm like, you just went for the jugular. And I'm like, who was your name? Her name is Annie Annie Lord. And I'm obsessed with her. So (laughs) you're an icon. I'm so proud of you. But it was because For those of us who who weren't familiar with the TikTok trend please no. enlighten us on why it was no, so embarrassing so, so he literally released like three or four videos of just him sitting in his bed in different stages of undress like playing with his mustache or like wiggling his nose to like the beat of yummy and it's like just do something that's like more interesting or like hire someone to make a dance or like do something sexually explicit in some way (laughs) do something creative don't just sit there yeah his team is just like you need to get on tiktok and he's like no that's it it wasn't his team it was him you know his team is like get on tiktok tiktok's really good for music but like the issue there is the disconnect of labels or artists who are getting on tiktok and like they don't understand tiktok exactly exactly it's like you can't just tell someone to get on tiktok and immediately start posting because the content is like unlike any other platform you you have to like understand what's popular and what's not in order to do well yeah it's not like facebook or instagram or twitter where you can just recycle the same yeah the same copy same picture whatever like if you're on tiktok you have to be on tiktok you have to put in the work to at least be like on the platform for a little bit amount of each day and like be researching what's going on what works what's not working like it's just very frustrating to me to see like labels or artists just be like all right let me post 15 seconds of my music video and that's good content no yeah it's not. If artists like personally don't have the time to be on TikTok themselves, they need to hire like TikTok specialists, like somebody whose sole job is just <laughs> researching what's on TikTok and then putting together ideas that the artist can actually execute. Bruh, I'll, I mean, this, I got mad about this. I don't know if it was last night or two nights ago, but I was looking at Columbia's TikTok page. It was so frustrating. Just like you obviously, have, you, you have no one working on this TikTok page and you think that if you just repost TikToks or post 15 seconds of a music video, that that's what TikToks are and it's not. And I'm just like, yeah. just hire someone. You have the money. Well, this is the thing. It's like in these articles about the like, yummy and about the TikTok embarrassment <laughs> of it, <laughs> they're saying that like a lot of these teams were like, oh, well, this is what works on YouTube. But it's like YouTube is a completely different thing that does push out like celebrity A-list content. But that's not the same. Like, and it doesn't matter what you watch because my all, all I watch on YouTube is video game shit. And I'll still sign on YouTube and YouTube is like, oh, do you want to watch Wired Autocomplete? And I'm like, no, I want to watch Corpse Husband. Do you want to watch Jimmy Fallon <laughs> talk to some celebrity? Like, like, no, I don't. So that's what they push no matter what you watch. And it's just like, that's not how 
TikTok works and fans understand it. And I, I don't know. I just like, I never get it because it's so easy to spend like two hours on TikTok and it, all it takes is like two hours to figure out what people like. But also another thing that these articles are saying is that depending on like what your personal TikTok algorithm is, you might never see a famous person in your life. Oh, I don't I don't see Dixie or what's as Charlie. far as I know they don't have TikTok <laughs> like, I don't see Addison I don't have them I've never I've like, never seen them in my life that's crazy to me because they're the biggest creators on this plat on that platform but it, and that just proves that the app believes in its usership so much that they're like we don't need to make these people watch our biggest star because our biggest star is still gonna get people viewing them and watching them and, like, they don't need to, like, we don't need to force these bisexuals to watch Addison Rae dance. Like, we don't need to do that. Yeah, their their algorithm is so good and it curates so well that it sucks you in. That's the other incredible thing about how fans and fandom are utilizing this app is it's, like, you like one video of Harry Styles and the next thing you know, you're like seven years deep into research and all of a sudden you're like a 35-year-old mother who would die for Harry Styles or like you see like a BTS video and you're like, oh, this is interesting and you like it or you like go to that account, you watch some videos. Next thing you know, you're like this punk rocker who's obsessed with BTS just because like one kid made a really fucking good video about them and you're like, oh, I'm intrigued because like... Like, and that's the other thing where I feel like so many people are so stuck in like genres of music that they like that they like don't want to branch out and TikTok is like bringing to the forefront how much overlap there is between genre and music and fandom nowadays that like it doesn't matter because yeah I mean that goes back to like kind of the the column promo comp where like two of like the main point categories were like making TikToks. I think it was two. At least Mm -hmm. one of them was like making a TikTok and making it a trend. The fans realize how important TikTok is. And I think, I think music, the music industry does as well, but I don't think they take it as serious enough as they should. Like they don't put in the effort for it. The Miley Cyrus one that's going around right now. It's like, if Miley comments on this, I'll do whatever she tells me to. Those are funny because like, obviously a fan started it. And I kind of don't believe that it's Miley actually going and commenting on the account. I think probably her team, like maybe she does a little bit. I think her team is definitely part of it, but it keeps people like posting about it. Cause they're like, oh my God, like what if Miley Cyrus comments on my video? You you guys just posted one. I just posted one last night for the Girls Behind the Rock show account. It's like, everyone's doing it. And I'm going to give big up for Miley one of the people that works on her team in digital um is a fan and she found her from a fan account and hired her and she's been with her for a few years now and like now she like is out in LA like full-time member of the team and like I would 100% say that a lot of the cool media and digital stuff that she is doing is because she hired a fan. I think that like Miley being tapped into the real world and like kind of tapped out of the celebrity world also helps a lot because I'm sure she does have like a very good team behind her, but I feel like she knows what normal people are doing. Cause I feel like in some ways Miley's not really relatable because of who she is, but in other ways I'm like, I feel like I could hang out with her. I feel like most people could hang out with her. Yeah. So it's like that two sides of the coin sort of thing. But I feel like she is way more relatable than we realize. And she just has like that persona that makes you think she might not be. But I feel like she understands way more than like most other celebrities yeah she feels down to earth and like less like you said less disconnected and like i think that's the issue with a lot of 
campaigns and music where it just feels corporate and that's not what it feels like with Miley and maybe that's because of her attitude of like respecting what the fans want and listening to fan feedback and hiring fans like that not something you see that often and I think this goes perfectly into our next point which is when you pay attention to what the fans are doing and you give them more of what they want it almost feels like a thank you marketing project Sydney do you want to talk about like Badlands and Eroda a little bit Halsey and I don't I don't know if it was specifically Harry or just a team. I know Halsey was a lot to do with Badlands because like that was her whole creative like the whole album like it creates this creative universe. So like that was very much her creative, her team's creative. It, there was a lot of time and like care put into that. But Halsey, when she first put out Badlands, had created this whole like website, and in Badlands was this place you could visit, and like there was lodging information. There was a gift shop that had her merch like it was really cool you could call a phone number and like hear about the weather for that day I think in Badlands like it was it was really immersive and then I think it was this past year she was releasing Badlands live and she like revived it and was like doing these cool little like scavenger hunt things on her Instagram or like through her tweets and whatever and it was like little hints about like the old Badlands era and that was like a really important era for her fans like they they hold it really close to their heart because I think that was when she started coming up in music. Like she had like some yeah. of her first hits then. So she realized like how important Badlands was to her fans. And she was like, all right, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to make it really cool again. Like I'm going to bring back the Badlands Twitter. I'm going to bring back the whole universe. I'm going to bring back the phone number where you can call and like hear a cool secret message. And then I'm going to drop the Badlands live. And like that was her first live album. And it was like, you could tell that like she paid attention to her fans and like heard what they wanted. And like Halsey's very active on Twitter. And like Halsey was a fangirl herself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I I think that goes a long way where it's like she understands what being a fangirl is like. Like Queen Haler song herself. like she gets it and I think that the Harry Arota thing was very similar too where it was this cool like they created Arota they made this like not really a scavenger hunt but they kept dropping clues everywhere like they yeah. created fake Facebook ads to go visit Arota and people were like what's Arota what is this and then of course the Harry Styles fans being as smart as they are figured out what Arota was and then Harry dropped the music video and all that stuff and it was just like it was super dope and they both have like Twitters for these fictional lands that they created and they they stay Arota stays fairly active which is funny to me well this is a thing so obviously like Taylor Swift has been known for like doing easter eggs and doing mm-hmm. all these like incredible things as like thank yous to her fans and I feel like she it was like one of the first to sort of hide things around the internet and like do that thing and like be super extra on tumblr and whatever because I feel like once tumblr stopped being cool Taylor's like this is my site now I'm taking over. (laughs) And so there's like all these like really cool examples of these things. But I think because there is so much overlap between those sort of like pop fandoms. Yeah. I think that, and this was like my one, like I thought that the Erota campaign was really smart and I was like tracking it because I'm a Harry fan and also because of like work. But I think that whoever did this, like whoever like on his team was part of it sort of was watching like what Taylor was doing was like, okay, we need to like continue to be active, continue to do these things. But sometimes they'll drop stuff that fans are like, this is a clue and it's not. Yeah. And they send them down this rabbit hole that doesn't actually lead to anywhere. And then the fans get angry and it's, it's not in a good way where 
it's like it's not like any press is good press because like Harry Styles doesn't need like any press is good press you know but also it's like when you know that the fans are already doing things like this without you and then you start doing it and then you kind of take advantage of it to the point where you're like I'm gonna freak them out and there's no reason to yeah it I feel like that is kind of back on like the not exactly knowing how to do it properly yeah I do think it's hard though because sometimes fans fans will take anything oh yeah but so I, like that's a, a that's very a hard line to toe where it's like all right what are they gonna think is a clue and what are they not gonna think is a clue yeah I, I just feel like it is really cool especially when the artists themselves realizes all like Halsey and Taylor and they're like okay we're gonna like do this because my fans already like doing it but I think it's so interesting that like fans don't realizing don't realize that they're doing marketing when they're doing these things and then the team will actually do a marketing campaign based off of something similar that fans have already yeah. done and as like a thank you and I just think it's funny that like the, a thank you to fans is the, them doing more work for the artist yeah, and they're it, like we love it thank you so much for giving us homework it's funny yeah like the fans shouldn't have to do this work but it's just like they 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 do it out of love like because yeah. they love these artists and like I mean I did it too like people tweeting about the Badlands people tweeting about Aroda like I mean like that's all promotion me tweeting about the Jonas Brothers you doing a MySpace like street yeah. team it's like the fans shouldn't have to be doing this <laughs> but I think even if like the artists were doing a good job they would be because like you look at like Taylor and she cares so much about her fans and I think that says a lot in the fact that why she's so popular because she mm-hmm. cares a lot about her fans and like you said she does these easter eggs for all of her songs and she does those very purposefully like oh yeah she she drops them meticulously like it's honestly amazing that harry still has fans <laughs> the fact that he doesn't give his fans anything i think that's a disconnect between our because like we're, we're gonna talk about k-pop marketing maybe this is a segue into that but like the way that like non-western artists work is they over like it's overconsumption in those countries but like yeah. here we still have that rock star like secretive rock star like mentality of like what's going on behind closed doors and like they have this glamorous lifestyle and like that that stuff still brings us in what i've seen of harry on tiktok is like when he was filming the golden video there were fans like in italy he's like running up a hill behind the car and everyone's like oh, what's the music video and they figured out like it was golden and then yeah. like with him being in the the new movie there's photos of him on set and stuff like oh they're covering up his tattoos like stuff like that mm. and like that's like the hot news of like what what's harry's up to and there is that secrecy of it this is my thing with harry is like i love him and uh, but i love Harry Styles the persona I don't like like any time and this is really frustrating and I think it's mainly the Vogue article and because of how Vogue is but when I read the Vogue article I've never felt less connected to Harry Styles than I ever have like I was reading this article and I was like this man and I have nothing in common we will never have anything in common like maybe he's maybe he's just like a like a rich man who like wouldn't want to ever speak to me sort of vibes like from that article and I feel like secrecy is interesting and all that sort of stuff but I feel like and we've talked about this a lot but it's like the separation of like the persona and a real person can get to a point where it can be kind of detrimental because you read an article like that Vogue one which possibly has nothing to do with Harry possibly just has to do with the guy who interviewed him and like the way he was asking questions and the way he was talking about Harry because he leaned into the air of mystery or whatever the deal was but it's like when you know so little about an artist and then you get an article like that you're kind of like wait what (laughs) 
Well, um, I like don't think I mean like Harry wouldn't have been anything without One Direction, but I think the One Direction days have a lot to do with why fans are still attached to him because One Direction was very active. Of course, yeah. yeah. Extremely active. Lots of behind the scene videos on Twitter all the time. Like those early days, everyone knew everything about them. Everyone knew where they were at every waking moment. Actually, one time I almost got trampled by Harry Styles fans in uh, New York City. I mean, One Direction fans, but like it was Harry (laughs) that they were chasing. There was overconsumption with One Direction. Like One Direction was everywhere. And like, I don't think Harry would be able to have that air of mystery now and it work well without fans knowing so much of him in the early days. Yeah. Of course. And I mean, that's why they have this this picture of him that they idolize because they think that's who he is. And Sarah and I kind of think he's an entirely different person that we don't actually know because he doesn't show himself a lot. Just based off the women he dates <laughs> solely. I mean, and- I can't I can't blame Harry. I would not want my life everywhere. Like no, that. I don't blame him at all. I think it's completely admirable. I mean, like Jennifer Lawrence, like you don't know anything about her except for like when she chooses to be out in the public. Like there's tons of actresses and actors that do it. So I think it's completely fine for musicians to do it. But I feel like because there's just like that whole persona thing and like him wanting to keep it so much that you're and like the fans constantly being like with the conspiracies of like, oh like on his instagram it went from like him to like white squares to like his team taking over and like he's not in control of anything and like them thinking that like he's basically being held captive when it's like no he just like wants this i don't know another free britney it's, yeah it's just like this whole thing i don't think it's quite that <laughs> it's not but i just i just i don't know it's it's just interesting and i think that it's like so crazy with like when it comes to marketing when artists are mysterious or like harder to reach and stuff and i think that like hannah ewan's this fangirls book like there's a chapter of like japanese art people and it's like music in japan and it talks about like them with harry but also like them with like japanese pop bands and how japanese pop bands exist in Japan and like maybe you can figure out a way to get them get access to them outside of Japan but like it's not super possible because their teams are so in control of everything and it's run like a business rather than music and I just think it's so interesting how when something is so clearly like an equation like it is with Japanese pop music where it's like you have to go to a specific store to see photos of them and then to buy photos of them and like you can't have photos of them in magazines because like they can only have photos at like the Johnny stores and like these sort of things I feel like when it's so clear what's happening with that I'm like okay that's just how it how it's run but it's like when it's 50 50 things with artists in America trying to be mysterious or whatever it's like pick one lane or the other like don't tell me everything about you one day and then the next day disappear for six months whereas in Japan it's like you only get access if you do what the label's asking the fans to do which is like oh like we might add a sixth member to the band buy the single with their face on it to pick who gets their debut and these sort of things and the fans are buying like 30 copies and then like the next day there's like dumpsters filled with singles because the fans are just like well they're giving us the opportunity to feel like we're in charge and we never get to feel like that so we're gonna go into it we couldn't do this episode without talking about non-western artists because i mean k-pop is basically one of the biggest phenomenons genres in the world right now i mean it's starting to dominate if it's not already dominated the american market and part of this is like and sydney you were actually talking about this how the marketing for k-pop just would not work for like american market no it'll work to an extent but 
we're just too like culturally we're too different because if you're in one of these eastern countries it's like these idols they're everywhere like every corner you turn they're on a billboard they're on they're in a movie they're on a tv show they're promoting some product and that is not something that artists could do here because we would be like okay you are just some corporate plant like you <laughs> you are literally it's like josie of the pussycats where it's like truly like so, you're brainwashing wait, us sydney i'm curious actually because k-pop is becoming so popular around the world in america in europe i'm curious like what do you think is maybe is marketing gonna move that way more so because if fans are like well actually we do want to be able to to see these artists all the time we do want videos of them on media and their own tv shows and stuff like this whereas you're saying like most of america would be like whoa that's too much but because like fangirls are starting to move that direction do you think we're gonna see a trend like shifting here i think a little bit i don't I, they'll never be a 100 shift because cultures our cultures are just so so different and like there's no possible way to take the k-pop like algorithm it's not like like Swedes where they have their algorithm for songwriting. It's not like that. Like we're not gonna be able to take the K-pop algorithm and just be like, all right, put Harry Styles into it. It's just that 100% won't work. But there's a lot of talk about how K-pop, from, from K-pop themselves, that their marketing is fandom marketing. And I think it is completely possible for these, our Western artists to take on that, that fandom marketing where it's just, you put out tons of content because that's what the fans want. They want this content. They want the personal connection. They want the behind the scenes. They want you to go on live streams. They want you to be on Twitter. They want you to be active. And like, that's what these K-pop artists do. They're just constantly online. The amount of content that comes out of K-pop is so much that the normal person can't consume it all. Yeah. Like yeah. it is impossible to consume everything. And they just like put out so much that you will constantly stay interested. And it, it goes throughout all of their marketing because they create these groups. And it's not, that's also like another yeah. huge issue is that like these K-pop entertainment groups create the groups specifically yeah. and they cast the um, idols into specific characters and then they create these storylines that go across multiple albums and like that's yeah. another reason why people stay interested is because you want to see this whole storyline play out and like I, the articles that we were reading they had compared it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it is like that you can have the Avengers and then like five Avengers movies but then each Avenger can have their own yeah. storyline their own movies and that's kind of what these idols are like where it's like they have this cohesive storyline like bts has multiple storylines across multiple albums but each of their idols also has their own their own story within that storyline and it's just like this whole world for these fans to live in and it consumes them and it it works really well but our artists won't be able to do that because we don't make our artists like that like we're not casting artists into roles like they yeah. they are their own person i just have I a think question because i'm just sorry because <laughs> i've been this is like i've been trying to wrap my head around this for months and i'm still just like confused i um, i am not an expert no, i will I thank my, yeah, my bts friends like, for helping me based off what you're saying i feel like you might be able to answer this question so they're playing characters right like these people have their own names but like is the storyline anything to actually do with who they are or is it two separate people it is themselves but they're they're also a character yeah i it's like i, I don't quite understand yeah. it myself and i think bts fans and all these other k-pop fans will understand it way better but it's like they were like they were the cast music, as the person I, yeah i i'm assuming because I'm also just assuming here, within the music, it's a character, but then, like, as a person, like, when they're 
when they're interviewing and stuff, it's them as a person. Yeah, but I think like part of the reason they were cast in that role is because of their person. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think there's overlaps between like the yeah. characters and like so, them, their personalities. So it's yeah. not like with Spice Girls where like you're Baby Spice because you're young. It's like no. you're like whoever you are because you fit like these five parameters we wanted for this character. So you yeah. can continue to be yourself, but you'll fit into the role within the music. Yeah, like I K-pop, so. these idols, they go through tra- years of training. Yeah. yeah. And then they get placed in these groups. So like this group has already been thought through like years in advance yeah, and yeah. the storylines and it's like a career plan. Of oh yeah, being it... like okay, like you're twelve, you're cute, you can dance sort and or like sing sort of like we're gonna send you to K-pop idol school. No, literally, of... yeah. yeah, it that yeah, so is what it is. <laughs> I think like two two things, Sydney, while you're talking that came to mind is like number one, they idolize i mean they're called idols but like being a a singing pop star dancing pop star in korea is like a really big deal and they do go they go through training school to do that and it's taken seriously whereas i think like in america it's like oh that's cute like you want to be a pop star you know good luck and it's not taken seriously and it's not looked upon as something that's like you can actually do and so i think there's that degree and then the other thing is because how american music works is like the artists have so much autonomy like the artists are the ones who are creating things and like of course like you know sometimes management label have a hand in things but it's really coming from the artists themselves and so like that's why it wouldn't work to the same degree of having this overarching like story plan unless you have an artist who's just like an absolute genius which like as we've seen like Halsey with Badlands like that's a whole concept within an album and I think like Gaga kind of does that a little bit where like she is a character. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely a character, but like to have something to the same degree, it would have to come straight from the artists themselves. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise, like you said, like American market would just see right through that and be like, this isn't authentic. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like also it's like because it's something foreign and I feel like Americans love the idea of something that's not from here that also is makes them more welcoming and accepting of the fact that they do things differently because they're like oh like this is like a new culture like a new thing like I'm learning so much and like all that and I feel like that's also why fans because i know like their fans everywhere do all of these like marketing and everything like no no bts army project is only like one country based like it's everywhere which is incredible in and of itself but i think just like them wanting to be like hey we're in america like we want to be part of this project we want to be part of like the charity stuff we want to be part of like x y and z i think that that is them trying to be like we know that this isn't what it's what's expected of being something that would do well here so we need to go above and beyond and then they're doing like the fan cam things with like to troll trump and like all this different stuff and being like look how powerful k-pop is that like we can like take down fascism with it or whatever they're doing like obviously that's like the smallest thing like all of the other big projects that they've done but i just think their willingness to like accept what's going on there just proves also like how ready the younger generation of Americans are to just like accept things that aren't American like standard. Yeah. And I think we also going back to your point about like K-pop fandom knows how powerful they are. Yeah. And they're very, they've gotten very good at organizing themselves. And that is just insane. Like I can't even fathom and like imagine an American artist with a fandom that 
coordinated. It's just ridiculous and like powerful too. You've seen the evolution of it because it started out as like, okay, what's the K-pop stuff and why why is everyone talking about it? Why yeah. is everyone tweeting about it? And then it became, oh no, look out, the K-pop stands are going to be in the comments. Like you mentioned one thing and it's like, oh my God, the BTS army is here. And then it was like, all right, there's fan cams everywhere then it became all right we're gonna use our collective organization for good and like you said sarah like we're gonna take down the dallas police department's app by spamming it with fan cams and we're gonna donate a million dollars in 48 hours to black lives matter and that was i that was charity but that was marketing too because that is something that i have never seen another fan community do that has made headlines in every single outlet like it was it was everywhere. It was like, look, BTS fans raised a million dollars in 48 hours. Like what other fandom is doing that? It's inspiring, to be honest. You all are so smart and so good at this. I think it's so incredible when the fandom like goes above and beyond just being like doing the marketing and doing all this stuff for the artist. Like they're doing it in the name of the artist. Yeah. Like they're doing other things because they're like, based off of what we know about them because we they know so much because they're given so much they're like they would approve of this so this is gonna go and do and so it's like they know what charitable things that they can raise money for they know like what things to like go and like use their power like towards and I just feel like there's people that are within fandom that do things for like charity or for good or whatever but like they don't do it in like they're not like oh like black lives matter in the name of harry styles whereas like (laughs) bts fans are like oh bts is about everybody caring about everybody like each other everybody having each other's back so that means that bts care will care about black lives matter so we're going to raise money in their name for this cause because that's what they would want us to do because they're fighting for equality or like yeah i mean and then bts matched it with a million dollar donation as well yeah well no they i think the bts fans tried to match what bts BTS did right am I correct I don't know which came first I think it was BTS did it and then the one in an army charity project which is the BTS armies like they created their own organization for charity then they're like all right we're gonna match it yeah incredible yeah so I think I'm just like thinking like you know it's like why haven't we seen this type of like organization and commitment and power from a fandom just from an American artist and I think part of it is because these k-pop artists are so accessible that it's like they're constantly living in this world of like K-pop fandom and like the artist is constantly giving it to them and they're doing BTS has like their own like talk show reality fun game show thing they do like they have, weekly they have tons of stuff yeah they do and so like V lives they do chats with them like they have their own yeah. chatting apps it's just I don't so know how like these K-pop fans consume it all <laughs> yeah it's like a cycle of like they're constantly giving to the fans and the fans are giving back to them and so they have this very close bond and I think people within the fandom all kind of have their little their little group of friends and too and and because the con- the content is so constant that you're always just in that mode and i think that's why it's more powerful and that's why they're able to organize and do these bigger things i think it, it goes a lot back to like hannah's book where she said that these these fans will buy the um the merch or the the albums to like show how dedicated they are because they yeah. want to prove 
that they're like the biggest fan and they're doing it for the artist. And I think when you, the more you give, the more you're going to get from your fans. And that is evident in K-pop because like they give so much and they, they let these fans into their lives so much that like these fans feel like they're a part of this journey, like truly feel like they're a part of this journey and they want to support them in any possible way that they can. And we see this on a smaller scale from other artists. I mean, like any of these artists that are big, like the One Directions, the Harry Styles, the Taylor Swift, the Shawn Mendes, Ariana Grande, those people at Halsey, they're, they're tuned into their fans and they're active. I mean, yeah. maybe we'll, we'll exclude Harry from that, I guess, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but they're tuned into their fans and they're active and that's why they're so passionate. And that's why these artists have such a strong fan base is because their fans feel like they care about them because the artists show that they care about them and show that they're listening. I I think a lot of the dedication comes from the fact that these groups came out of a non-Western society and those are more of a collectivist society where they do everything for the greater good. Mm Yeah. So these fans are doing it to show their support for this group. And also these fans are more respected in these countries. Like these entertainment groups are like, we do all this because the young girl's taste in music is good and like they're they have the buying power and like we we make everything for them and that's very refreshing but that is something completely different than what we do and we're seeing some artists move towards it we're seeing the move towards the k-pop model honestly where sean mendez has his latest album he's releasing photo cards like the k-pop albums where you can buy different varials of the album and get the different photo cards and Mm -hmm. like taylor swift with her lover release was like the k-pop books i saw it in target it was like it was like those nice cool booklets that you collect they're moving towards this we know what the fans want the fans want these cool collectible things to show that fans care about the artist they they want to hold that with like a badge of honor and it's nice to see like the that is kind of the answer to are we moving towards k-pop marketing yeah we are yeah yeah and it's like you you even see it with just like straight up the target releases like those are different album covers and fans go out to buy those like five sauce with young blood released different album covers for each artist at target and like that's something that like i I think k-pop does that where they release different album covers with different photo cards for each artist and it's like those fans probably went out and bought five albums one for each one for each member and then one for the the group one and it's insane k-pop marketing and i i really i truly appreciate it that they have a fandom forward marketing model because it's it's refreshing to see in something we don't respect in this country enough i feel like in conclusion (laughs) like (laughs) you know you as a fan like people like people listening like us as fans we have so much more power than I think that any of us are ever really willing to acknowledge or like ready to accept but I think like the second that we lean into it like these k-pop fans have that's when we get what we want and I'm not saying to like stalemate HSHQ like that's not what I'm saying to do but I mean I mean maybe maybe I don't know I just think that like if we're clear on what we want and if we're concise and we just keep doing what we're already doing it's gonna happen where we don't have to do it ourselves and like you'll be able to like get more like I know I know that it's rewarding when we're doing it as ourselves but I feel like once the team's involved and there are things that like we as fans can't get like Halsey with Badlands where there are unseen things that like obviously only Halsey can release and stuff I just think if we keep pushing and keep supporting even if we aren't in the k-pop world but like just supporting our friends who love k-pop and supporting the fact that like 
what k-pop is doing is like the right move forward for music fans i think that we're all gonna get what we want eventually <laughs> and it's time for everybody's favorite part of the episode obviously <laughs> which is the band of the week in 30 seconds or less and sydney has the honor this week so are you ready are you prepared i'm ready i'm very okay. ready to talk about it i'm going to count you down in three two one go Okay, so my artist this week is Charlotte Sands. I found her on TikTok because she made this awesome song about Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue, and the song is called Dress, and it's about him being a manly man and wearing a dress, and it's super fucking dope, and all of her other songs are also bops, so you need to go listen to her. Um, Go follow her TikTok, follow her Twitter, follow her Instagram, follow her on Spotify, just bops all around. 10 out of 10, love her, you go girl. Sydney, thank you so much for bringing your knowledge to the show. This was such a fun conversation. Once again, we could dive into all of these different little side quests. <laughs> so yeah, we just want to say a big thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for so long. I love this podcast. It is so great. Y'all are doing such amazing things. And I want all the fangirls listening to know that when you were tweeting about your favorite artists and doing all this promo... You're doing what the label should be doing and put that on your resume. (laughs) Absolutely. More power to the fangirls. And if people want to find you after this, follow you, where can they find you? All of my stuff is Sydney K. Stein, except for TikTok, which is Sydney like in Australia. If you want to find Girls Behind the Rock Show, which I run all of those too, that's um, at Girls BTRS for everything. So that was an informative blast. (laughs) (laughs) An an informative blast. (laughs) Truly. Um, I'm glad you guys jumped head first into K-pop because now I sort of understand it a bit more. I get it. I literally, as I already said, have been reading about this for months and now I feel like I understand. So thank you. So if you guys have any thoughts, especially about the K-pop stuff, because we have so much to learn before we actually fully dive into it. If you are big mad about anything we said about Harry Styles, which for the first time I can say, please come at us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, what have you. We are under name three songs as per usual on all social media platforms. You can come at me personally at Sarah underscore Fagan, or you can come at Jenna personally. Although I feel like Jenna has nothing for you to attack about today (laughs) very much the peacekeeper in in these conversations although Uh, maybe maybe i'm not you tell me so if uh jenna pissed you off somehow she is at jenna underscore million on twitter and you can harass her there so as per usual thank you for joining us on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and you're never too cool to listen to harry styles don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.